Well, as most of you know, we, we've been going through the Bible this year. Last year we did um, the um, Wayne Cadero reading plan, daily reading plan. We did that for a, lot, a long time. Last year, uh, in January of this year, we switched to um, the Bible Project reading plan, which I've really enjoyed because there's the videos that kind of go along with that and describe uh, each book of the Bible. And this week, uh, we were in 1 Corinthians, if you guys uh, remember, 1 Corinthians. And who wrote 1 Corinthians? Paul, right? Paul wrote it. Um, what's the book that comes after 1 Corinthians? You guys are Bible scholars. You guys are so good. Um, well, in, in the reading plan, you're only supposed to read two chapters a day, but have you ever had one of those days, kind of like a day, you know, when it's cold and it's raining? Monday, for me, uh, is my day off, and I, I had that day where you get through those fir- first two chapters, but then you just want to keep on reading. You ever done that, where you just read, and you read, and you read? And so that's what I did, and I read the, the whole thing, actually. And I'd actually highly recommend you read some of the letters, especially the letters in the New Testament in this way. I say this a lot, but it's just important to me. These are letters, right? They were written as letters. They were meant to be read as letters, and so as much as you can. I, I get that we all live busy lives, and sometimes it doesn't feel like it's possible to do that. But as much as you can, read those letters, because sometimes and we don't re- write a lot of letters anymore. It's almost a, a lost art, the, the idea of writing a letter. But in a letter, there's things maybe that you address at the beginning of the letter, that way towards the end of the letter, what do you do? You address it again. Or maybe in a letter, there's some really harsh things that you say, but also there's maybe some more softer and, and kinder things that you say. Maybe something that's really negative, but if you keep on reading later in the letter, you have something really positive to say. And so it's all meant to kind of be read together all at the same time. That's not really what we do in America, right? In in America, we pull out that one scripture that we really like, and then we base an entire theology, right? An entire doctrine around that one scripture. And yet, I I honestly believe this. I I firmly believe this, that when you uh, put that scripture, that one scripture, back into the context of the entire letter, right? So the broader context, the broader theme, the broader idea. I, I'm just telling you, it's going to be more powerful, that scripture, that even that one scripture, is going to be more powerful than it ever was when it was standing alone by itself. So I was reading 1 Corinthians, read the whole thing. It just got me going. You ever been there too? Or you're just reading the Bible and after you're done, you're just closing it. You're like, woo, right? I mean, that was so Good. And right away, chapter 1 was speaking to me. The Word was just reminding me, especially right in the chapter 1, it was reminding me that this whole thing, so like this whole thing and this whole thing and this whole thing and this whole thing is all about Christ. All of it. It's about Christ. You know, we've been tromping through Rooted. I love Rooted. I've Really gotten excited just seeing so many people engaged in it. We have about 140, 150 people come on a Sunday morning. We sold 147 books uh, for Rooted, so just do the math on that. It's pretty incredible, and it's something special, just kind of powerful to have a large group of people doing something together, uh, such as Rooted. But we got to remember, Rooted is not about Rooted, right? So these 10 weeks, they're not about a program. These 10 weeks, they're not about being in your small groups, as wonderful as your small group is. The 10 weeks, they're not about even being in community. They're not about being in church. They're not about being in anything. These 10 weeks, they're about being in Christ. They're about Jesus Christ. 
rooted. It's a tool. It's a, I think it's a great tool, but it's a tool to help us learn about Christ, spend more time with Christ, to actually be more like Christ. And so rooted, it points us to the Word of God, the Word of God which reveals to us what it means to be with Christ, to be in Christ. And, and I do think that rooted has shown us that when you're in Christ, that you're actually in Christ and in His body. I think it's shown us that you are in a fellowship, that you are in His Church, I think it's shown us the value, the importance of gathering together in small groups, breaking bread together as the body of Christ. But again, rooted is just a tool, and, and it's a tool, I think it's a powerful tool, but it's a tool to point you to Christ. But I'd add this, it is a completely powerless, useless, worthless, and pointless, waste of time kind of tool without Christ. If you don't got Jesus, it doesn't even make sense. See, as you and I continue on this journey, and not just the rooted journey, but this journey that we call life, we've got to remember the goal. The goal is Christ. The goal is Christ. And not that he'd just be a part of your life, some compartment that you pull out every once in a while, but that he would be your life. The Apostle Paul, the same man who wrote 1 Corinthians and Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love that verse. By the way, if you have your Bible app, you know what the verse of the day was this morning? Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, Daniel Allen Birch, the life that I live, the life that you live, we live by faith in Jesus Colossians chapter 3, it declares here, there's no Gentile, no Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. No, but here, what? Christ is all and is in all. So all those other definitions of who we are, they no longer define us. They pale in comparison to who we are in Christ. Again, Christ is all and Christ is in all. And I think it's important for you to consider that in your own life. Is Christ your life? Is he everything? Does he have everything? I was thinking about it this week. What am I still holding out? Right? What am I still holding on to that I'm unwilling to give to the Lord? Right? Is there just where we kind of give him a little here, give him a little there? I think we need to allow and give the Holy Spirit permission to compel us, to even overwhelm us, to lead us to where more and more Christ would be all and in all. The Holy Spirit actually wants to help us in this. There was a time when Jesus was, uh, actually he was talking to his disciples, and this is what he tells his disciples. He says, but the helper, everyone say the helper. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in the name of Jesus, he will teach you all things. Everyone say all things. All things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? He's always there pointing us back, shining the light on Jesus Christ, always illuminating the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the actions of Jesus. At the beginning of the letter of Ephesians, Paul says this, he goes, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom, that he may give you the spirit of revelation, so that you may know him better. And God wants that for each of us today, that the Holy Spirit would move right now in such a way that wisdom and revelation would come by the Holy Spirit so that we could know Him better. 
Anyone here want to know Christ better? Right? Anyone else just have that desire and longing to know Him better? I, I know I do. Because the more we get to know Christ, the more we actually learn how to live this life. How to live on this planet Earth. And have you noticed that as you grow in Christ, that sometimes, not that we're always real happy about this, but have you noticed as you're growing in Christ that sometimes there's some course corrections that you have to make along the way? Have you noticed that? As you go a little deeper in your walk, a little deeper with the Lord, you discover maybe there was something you were doing that you just shouldn't be doing anymore. Right? As Jesus becomes clearer, more in focus, uh, there's a way that you've been speaking that maybe you shouldn't be speaking any longer. Or maybe there's a way that you've been treating others, and yet as Christ becomes everything, as Christ is all and is in all, you begin to realize, man, the way I've been treating that other person, I, I cannot be treating them that way any longer. And so as someone who has Jesus as the foundation of your life, but also as someone who is building your life on that foundation, sometimes you just got to let the Holy Spirit come in and just break some stuff down, right? Again, we're not always too excited about this. Actually, this is a lot of the times when we're kicking and screaming. But this is when we need Jesus to come in by his Holy Spirit and come in and just break down some walls, right? You ever need just a couple of rooms in your house remodeled by the Lord? Just kind of torn down to the foundation of Jesus Christ so that they can be built back up so you can confidently say, no, Christ is all and Christ is in all. I think there's a lot more of this kind of course correction in the Christian walk than we like to admit. Got to give yourself some grace, though. None of us come out of the chute just doing this whole thing perfect, right? There's a lot of tripping up and falling, a lot of dusting yourself up, getting back on your feet and Moving forward. See, God's grace, His grace is so big that there's actually room. In a service like this, there's room for us to grow, to grow in our walk, to where more and more we can just say, yeah, Jesus, just become everything. Jesus, I'm sorry for this. Jesus, forgive me of this. Jesus, I just need you to remove that. Jesus, I need you to take this down. Jesus, I need you to build it. Jesus, just get to work in my life so that I can say Christ is all and Christ is in all. I hope Rooted has helped in this. I know it has for my life. I hope that spending time with the Word, spending time with others, I, I hope in those times and in, in your rooted groups that you've been given the Holy Spirit permission to make some of those changes in you. I, I don't think He's going to force you, but as you give Him permission, He certainly will come into your life. I've been praying this prayer for you guys every day. Every day I've been praying, Lord, shake the ground. <laughs> shake the ground. Lord, anything that is not of you in anyone's life, remove it in the name of Jesus. Anything that's been built up in anyone's life that isn't for you, any wall that has been built up, any territory that has been taken that isn't bringing you glory, would you just shake it up? Remove it in the mighty name of Jesus. And I, I think there's definitely been some of that going on. Paul says something very interesting about all this. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, again, this is Paul talking, he says, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And then he says, someone else is building upon it. So Paul laid a foundation, someone else is building. He says, let each one take care how he builds upon that foundation. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what is the foundation that Paul has laid? Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ with gold, silver, 
precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become manifest for the day, the day when Jesus returns. It will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So that's how it's going to go. That day is coming, whether you allow the Holy Spirit to work on you now, or if you say no to the Holy Spirit's work in you now. When the day of the Lord comes, everything in your life will be revealed by fire. Fire which is going to test how you built your life. Again, he says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I think it's important for you and I to see the opportunity that we have right now, today. See, this is a gift from God. We don't have to wait until the day of the Lord. Right now, in this moment, we can allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us anything that isn't focused on Jesus, anything that isn't built on the foundation of Jesus, and we can give the Holy Spirit permission in this moment right now to make a change in our lives. And again, whether you've been in a rooted group or not, if you're a Christian here today, I hope you seize the opportunity. Remember, your life, your life was meant to shine. Remember when Paul talks about that, that you're, you're, you're to shine like stars in the sky? Right? You're meant to shine your life and your body. It's meant to reflect the glory of God. Uh, the Bible says you're no longer your own, that your life is now Christ, and your life is now built not on your own plans and your own desires and your own wants and wishes and dreams. No, your life is now built on the foundation of Jesus Christ because you belong to Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to what he says. He says, the body, your body, it's not meant for sexual immorality. But your body, it's meant for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and he'll also raise up us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person, you're sinning against your own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple? Of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So what does he say? So glorify God in your body. So good. So good. You're not your own. You belong to Christ. Your body, he says, is the temple of God. I'm not sure a lot of Christians understand this. I don't think a lot of Christians even believe this. We sing about these types of things, right? And even theologically, if I asked you, you'd be like, yeah, you know, I think I agree with that. But many Christians, I don't think this truth has been settled in many Christians' hearts or their minds that I am the temple of God. I am the place where the divine presence of God resides. It's so important, if you want to live the life God has called you to live, it is so important that you get to a place of faith where you believe that you are the temple of God, where the holy presence of God dwells. See, the Jewish people, for generations, where did they have to go for the presence of God? 
They had to go to Jerusalem, right? And there was a temple in Jerusalem, and they, they sought after the presence of God who resided in the temple. But because of Jesus, we no longer have to make that trek to Israel. If you can't go to Israel, go there. It's phenomenal. But you don't have to go to the temple, right? No, the temple of God isn't there. The temple of God is where? It's right here. It's inside of you. It's inside of me. We are joined to the Lord. Did you see that, what Paul just said? This is phenomenal. This is unbelievable. We can't even fully comprehend this. He says, we're joined to the Lord. We are one spirit with him. So his divine presence, his spirit is here. It's here. Making you and I to become more and more like Christ. Truly believing this spiritual reality that his presence is living in us, it will radically change how you live. Because as you lean in to that presence of God, you're actually going to learn how to live. You're going to learn how to walk in righteousness, walk in holiness. And if there is anything that isn't of God, if, if there is anything that isn't in perfect alignment with him, anything that exists that would not actually ever exist in the presence of God in his temple, any of that, so whether it's an action or an attitude or a spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, he's going to work in that area. He's going to bring correction. He's going to bring discipline. He's going to mold you and change you, refine you to be who he has called you to be, which is to be like Christ. So there's a great question to always ask yourself. Am I allowing, am I letting, am I giving permission to the Holy Spirit within me to do a work, to do such a work that I am becoming more like Christ? Because first John, John tells us this, he says, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says that he abides in him Who's he talking about? He says it's, it's Christ, right? So whoever says he abides in Christ and him ought to walk in the same way in which Christ walked. Whoever says he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way in which Christ walked. Now, are we perfect in this? No, not at all. Not at all. We actually needed a Savior, by the way. <laughs> we still need a Savior. But see, by the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us, are we growing in this? Are we growing in this? I sure hope so. I know I'm growing. Still got areas God's working on. But I know He's working in me. I see His work in me. I'm growing. Are you growing? Right? Are you growing? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you? Are you allowing Him to help you, to be that helper, to help you with your walk with Jesus. One of the best ways you know if you're letting them work in you is to look for fruit in your life. Look for the fruit of the Spirit in your life. What is the fruit of the Spirit again? Galatians tells us the fruit of, of God working in your life, of the Holy Spirit working in your life, of making you more and more like Christ. That fruit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are these things growing in your life? If they aren't, keep pressing into the Lord, right? Keep on pressing in. Keep on asking the Holy Spirit, do a work in my life. Do a work in my life. I was speaking at a local senior uh, living facility this week on Wednesday, and I told them, I said, hey, listen up. The Holy Spirit, he is really good at his job. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is good at his job? He's really good at his job. And if you give him permission, he's going to come in. He's going to do his work. He's going to teach you all things. And he's going to remind you of everything that Jesus has said and done. He's going to lead you. He will produce fruit in you. And he will show you how to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is ask him. And he's really good at doing what he does. 
this week, the Rooted Workbook, as you, as you go through it this week, you're going to see that you were created to serve, created to serve. It's one of the great ways that we show that we're in Christ. It's one of the great ways that we show that Jesus is actually in us. It's through serving. Scripture declares we are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you and I to do. So there's things that God has created, uniquely created us to do. After Jesus' resurrection, so this is after his death, after his resurrection, he comes to his disciples, and this is what he says. Disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, this is so powerful to me, he says, I am sending you. That's still true today. He is sending us. He is sending us to do what he has called us to do. Sending us to what he's called us to do. And we don't go and we don't do to try to earn our salvation, right? We don't say and do to try to get our way into heaven. No, we say and we do all because of this great appreciation and love and gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done for us. Right? The, the, the service, the, the way we live, the way we act, the, the things that we say, it is all just the overflow of just gratitude and love for what God has done for us on the cross. But service is, is a huge part of Christianity. Because if we're truly allowing the Holy Spirit to make us more like Christ, more like Christ, more like Christ, well, guess who's the ultimate, ultimate example of service? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The Bible, Mark 10, I think, he says, I did not come... To be served, but to serve. Philippians chapter 2, he says he was made himself nothing. He, he, was, he emptied himself, another translation says, by taking the very nature of a servant. Out of, his father, out of his love for his father, out of his love for you and me, he came to serve. You see this beautifully displayed in John chapter 13, 1 through 5. It's before the Passover celebration. Jesus knew his hour had come, like Jeremy was talking a little bit about. And his hour had come to leave and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and, and now he loved them to the very end. Verse 2, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So look at this, church. He says he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. If you remember how the story goes, the disciples, at first, they're not actually too fond of this. They kind of protest. Jesus, man, you can't wash our feet. But then he says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And so he washes their feet. But when he's finished, this is what the Bible says. After washing their feet, he put his robe back on. He sat down and he said, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I love that. He's like, oh yeah, if you call me teacher and Lord, yeah, that's what I am, your teacher and Lord. So as your teacher and Lord, listen up, right? Listen up. As I have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow do as I have done to you. And this is so important for any area in your life where you're serving others. I see this get really distorted and messed up often in people's lives, but you're not serving to try to get to God. 
You're not serving to try to impress God. You're not trying to serve to impress others. Why are you serving? You're serving because you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And as people who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and have the fruit of the Spirit being produced in you, guess what? You have the same attitude and mindset of Jesus Christ. And as you grow to become more and more like Jesus Christ, you know what's growing in you? Fruit is growing in you. You know what else is growing in you? Service is growing in you. And quicker and sooner, you pick up the basin, you pick up the towel, and you wash the feet of others. Why? Because that's who Christ is. And if that's who Christ is, and if Christ is in you, then guess who you are? That's who you are. Now, outside of Christ, without the Holy Spirit's help, I don't even have have to tell you this. Outside of Jesus, serving never will come naturally. Serving is hard. It's one of the crazy things when I hear excuses for why we don't serve. I'm like, yeah, I got the same excuses. It's hard. It's difficult. You rarely get acknowledgement. You never get recognition. You don't get the appreciation. But with Christ, it's not about you. It's Christ. Regardless of how hard it is, you go where he asks you to go. You do what he asks you to do, whatever it might be. You do because Christ is in you. And as Christ does, you do. You follow Christ. Wherever he's walking, you're walking. Whatever he's doing, you're doing. And that's not just here in these four walls. It's wherever you are. It's in the church. It's at your job. It's in your home. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your town. It's in your community. It's wherever it is. Maybe the other side of the world. By the power of the Holy Spirit within you, in the name of Jesus, you're going to serve. You're going to serve. Because that's who you are. You have Christ, Christ, where Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. I, I would just love to see us, the people of Life Spring, rise up in a faith where our lives, who we are, what we say, what we do, they would just loudly and boldly declare, Christ is all, Christ is in all. And that it would be shown in everything that we do. That we'd live by faith and people around us in the way we live and the way we talk and the way we act, people would see Christ. They would see Christ in the way that we treat other people. They'd see Christ in the way that we serve our community. They'd see Christ in the way that we love our spouses and love our kids and and the way that we treat our employees if we're an employer or how we treat our bosses if we're an employee, that they would just see it in the way we behave and act on the freeway. But also as we're eating lunch at Subway, they would just begin to see Christ as we yield to the Holy Spirit and let him teach us, actually humble ourselves to where he can be a teacher. How many times are you just trying to teach God what he needs to do, but instead humble yourself and allow him to teach you by his Holy Spirit? How can I be more like Christ? How can I yield to where the world around me can see Christ in me and through me? I just challenge you, Life Spring. Give the Holy Spirit permission in you right now to do a work in you, a good work where you would not leave this room the same, but by the power of the Holy Spirit living within you, you will be transformed and you will be changed to be more like Jesus Christ. I challenge you. It's a challenge for all of us. To humble ourselves before the Lord and his mighty hand. I challenge you, allow him to teach you. We are so arrogant sometimes in the way we think and the way we speak. You don't know it all yet. You got to give yourself a little bit of room to grow. 
Facebook, have you ever been on Facebook? It's just like, this is what I know, and this is what the world needs to do. Can we just humble ourselves a little bit and go, I don't really know, and I don't know what we should say. I don't know what we should do, but I believe that God is faithful to teach me. To be humble, to be learners, to be disciples. Because I want to be more like Christ, and I know you do as well. But we got to humble ourselves and allow him to teach us by his Holy Spirit. I want to close our time together with that very first chapter of 1 Corinthians. And I want to say this, the power of being a Christian and the power of church and the power of all this, it's not in programs, it's not in music, it's not in pastors, it's not in small groups, it's not in anything but Christ. The power is in the message of the cross of Christ. Now, we do a lot of things at this church, and I think a lot of them are very good. But without Christ, they are a waste of time. So come on, come on, come on. Let's leave this place, all of us, your pastor included, that we would be laser focused on Jesus Christ, right? Where all our eggs are on one basket, where we got a one trick pony and his name is Jesus, where we are just fixated on him, on Christ and Christ crucified. And so whatever we do, and we're going to do some stuff, but whatever we do, whatever program or song or service or whatever we're doing in this community, whatever we participate, whatever we do where our muscles are sore and our minds are exhausted, that we would do it all from Jesus and out of Jesus and through Jesus and because of Jesus. So I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Maybe as I read, maybe just close your eyes and and let the word of God speak to us about how amazing Jesus really is. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother Sosthenes. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to let you know, to, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and give you peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You have every spiritual gift you need as you wait for the Lord. Verse 8, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought, united in purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter. Or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. 
But I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but he sent me to preach the good news. And not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers? Where does this leave the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, dear Lifespring, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing that the world considers important. As a result, no one ever, ever, ever can boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Jesus Christ. God has united you with Jesus Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. Christ made us pure. Christ made us holy. And Christ freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we boast in you and you alone. You and you alone. We can make this whole Christian walk about so many things. We can confuse it. We can muddy it. We can complicate it. But it's about you. It's about what you have done for us. It's about your sacrifice on the cross, which made a way for us. Where there seemed to be no way, you made a way. Where we, because of our sins, because of our actions, were separated from a holy God. You, Father God, out of your love for us, you sent your Son to die for us so that we could be reconciled back to you. Lord, forgive us to where we've made it about us. Forgive us where we've actually tried to use you for our glory. Lord, in this place, we humble ourselves before you under your mighty hand that actually we want to be used for your glory, for your glory, for your glory, that our lives and everything we say and everything we do we could learn and grow to be able to say, in my life, Christ is all and is in all. Holy Spirit, you're really good at what you do. You're amazing at your job. And you are the helper. You are the one who comes alongside. And you teach us all things. And you help us remember everything that Jesus has said and done. Lord, as we leave this place today, would you go with us? 
Would you go with us? We're giving you permission to go with us. We're giving you permission to be our helper, to be our teacher, to give us some of those course corrections that we need in our lives. Not that we're going to really enjoy it at the time, but we know it's for our good and for your glory. We trust in you, God. We trust in you, Lord. We trust in you, Father God. We trust in you, Jesus Christ. We trust in you, Holy Spirit. So go with us. As we leave this place, go with us and have your way. Have your way that we would be the temple of God and we'd shine the light of Christ. Man, it's good to be alive. It's incredible to be your kid. And it's a privilege to have your divine presence living in us. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.